Section thirty five of the Mysteries of London, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Celine Major. The Mysteries of London, Volume three, by George W. M. Reynolds. Section thirty five. Mr. Sheepshanks. In a large room on a first floor in St. Martin's Lane, some three or four hundred persons male and female were assembled at one end of the apartment was a raised platform in the middle of which stood a capacious armchair behind a desk and on the said platform several sleek oily comfortable-looking gentlemen all dressed in black and wearing white cravats with no shirt collars were grouped together in conversation the body of the room was occupied by chairs for the accommodation of those who had front-seat tickets and forms for those who possessed back-seat tickets it is a remarkable fact that the votaries of the established church invariably create social distinctions in the very places instituted to propagate or maintain their creed thus every church belonging to the establishment had its pews for the rich and its pauper seats and in the assembly rooms of the religious associations the same distinction is drawn between aristocracy and democracy and these lines of demarcation are traced by men practising or rather pretending to practise a religion which proclaims that all are equal in the eyes of god oh the vile hypocrisy of these canting psalm singers the room to which we have introduced our readers was well lighted with wax candles and had two cheerful fires blazing away in the grates the atmosphere was warm there were no unpleasant draughts and the floor was covered with a thick drugget for your religious people are mightily fond of comfort and comfort was certainly studied at the offices of the south sea islands bible circulating society in the second row of the front seat ticket department sat mrs slingsby and the misses torrens the two latter had their veils carefully drawn over their faces for mrs slingsby had insisted upon their accompanying her to this pious and soul-refreshing entertainment as they had not previously stirred out of doors from the moment they had taken up their abode with her at a quarter past six o'clock two ushers bearing white wands passed up the room preceding a short stout brandy-faced gentleman who tried to look as demure and humble as he could but who could not however subdue that consciousness of importance which seems to say ah now i am causing a sensation and a sensation too he produced sure enough for the gentlemen began clapping their hands and stamping on the floor while the ladies waved their handkerchiefs as if he were some victorious general who had just defeated a french army of a hundred thousand men upon reaching the platform the brandy-faced gentlemen shook hands with the sleek and oily individuals before alluded to and the sensation became more exciting on the part of the spectators as if it were a very clever thing indeed to shake hands in public then the brandy-faced man stepped a few paces back and pretended to enter into very earnest conversation with some leading member of the committee while another member moved in a drawling sing-song tone that their respected president mr jonathan pugwash do take the chair this proposal was received with renewed applause and the brandy-faced gentleman for it was he who delighted in the euphonious name of pugwash started as if quite astonished that such an honour should have been destined for him he then proceeded to establish himself in the large armchair before mentioned 
and in a voice which sounded as if he were talking inside a barrel called upon their respected friend the reverend malachi sawkins to open the meeting with prayer mr sawkins a very demure-looking man indeed proceeded to draw out a long extempore prayer in the course of which he led his audience to infer that heaven favoured that particular society more than all others and when he had concluded the chairman rose to explain the object of the extraordinary assembly that evening although the said object was already well known to every individual present ay and to every soul who passing up or down st martin's lane might choose to stop and peruse the enormous bills placarded at the entrance mr jonathan pugwash commenced by expressing his thanks for the high honour done him by selecting him to preside over that meeting an honour the more distinguished inasmuch as it had been perfectly unexpected on his part this was completely false it having been settled in committee three days previously that he was to preside on this occasion but your zealots do not mind a white lie at times he was well aware of his own unworthiness cries of no no yes he was an unworthy vessel but he hoped the lord would sustain him in the onerous duty thrust upon him amen in a hollow sepulchral tone from the reverend malachi sawkins he thanked the ladies and gentlemen or he should rather say his christian sisters and brethren present for the kind the handsome the feeling manner in which they had contradicted his expressed belief of his own unworthiness cheers and go it pugwash from a drunken gentleman in a remote corner of the room he need scarcely inform the highly respectable and influential meeting then and there assembled that the object of such assembly on that occasion was to hear certain accounts of the progress of the good cause from the lips of a revered brother cheers who had just returned renewed cheers from a long more cheering arduous prolonged cheering and most perilous vociferous cheering mission to the islands of the south seas tremendous cheering mingled with bravo from the drunken gentleman in the remote corner he need scarcely say that he alluded to their dear venerated respected highly prized gifted talented persevering friend mr sheepshanks cheers with these few observations he would introduce mr sheepshanks to the meeting prolonged cheering the chairman sat down in a novel state of perspiration but in another moment he rose again for a little door at the back of the platform had just been opened by one of the ushers and behold joshua sheepshanks appeared before the enraptured spectators it would be impossible to describe the enthusiasm which now prevailed in the room the cheering was tremendous the waving of the ladies handkerchiefs created a perfect gale of chill air and the drunken gentleman in the corner shouted so vociferously that one old lady who sat near him would certainly have fainted as she subsequently observed if another old lady next to her had not happened by the merest accident in the whole world to have a small flask of cognac in her muff and most charitably to place the said flask at her disposal mr sheepshanks was a tall thin sallow-faced man with black hair combed sleekly over his forehead and sharp piercing grey eyes which seldom settled anywhere but when they did it happened singularly enough that they were sure to fix themselves on the prettiest faces in the room order being restored mr sheepshanks rose to address the audience having expressed his gratitude for the truly christian reception he had received 
he entered upon the subject so dear to all who had the good cause at heart he stated that in the year eighteen twenty three the committee of the society had determined to send a missionary to some of the south sea islands to pave the way for the effectual carrying out of the objects of the association a sum of five hundred pounds was voted for the purpose and he mr sheepshanks had offered himself as a willing sacrifice to the good cause although as he perfectly well knew at the risk of being roasted and eaten by the savages amongst whom he was to venture understanding that a french ship was to sail for the south seas from cherbourg on an exploring expedition he had repaired to that port and had taken a passage in the vessel alluded to in due time and after experiencing tremendous weather the ship touched at the cape of good hope and thence proceeded towards the southern islands it was on the fourteenth of march eighteen twenty four continued mr sheepshanks that we anchored off the beautiful island of squizzolocu and i fell on my knees on the deck to return thanks to that providence which had at length brought me within sight of the scene of my labours a refreshing influence came over me and my heart leapt like a purpose on the wide waters at the cheering thought that i was about to render myself useful amongst the benighted savages so near at hand a boat was lowered and the captain the third mate the purser and myself were rowed ashore i was provided with my bible the captain and the mate took with them quantities of looking-glasses buttons and toys and the ungodly purser armed himself with a bottle of rum an awful groan burst from the reverend mr sawkins whereat mr pugwash who had fallen asleep woke up yes dear christian friends exclaimed mr sheepshanks a bottle of rum and no fool he cried the drunken gentleman in the corner order order vociferated mr pugwash rubbing his eyes at this crisis a gentleman of foreign appearance well dressed and adorned with a pair of very fierce mustachios advanced from the body of the room towards the platform but at every three steps he took he paused for a few moments to examine mr sheepshanks with strict scrutiny by the aid of an eyeglass at first he seemed uncertain relative to some idea which had entered his head but the nearer he approached the platform and the more closely he examined mr sheepshanks the fainter became his doubts and the stronger his suspicions at last just as the missionary was about to resume the history of his adventures in respect to the island of squizzolocu the foreign stranger leaped upon the platform confronted the pious gentleman and said in an ironical tone how do you do monsieur sheepshang me var much delight to see you these vants again mr sheepshanks seemed confounded at the sudden apparition of the foreign gentleman but speedily recovering his self-possession he said really sir you have the advantage of me but if you will step into the private office behind there for a short time i-oh yes you really have de advantage on me monsieur sheepshang interrupted the foreigner but you no get it again do you see how do madame sheepshang and the little sheepshang as was born at my house this gentleman sir said the reverend mr sawkins addressing the foreigner in a tone of awful solemnity and pointing towards mr sheepshanks is not married and has no children his life is devoted to celibacy and good works good works ejaculated the frenchman then what for he come and swindle me oh groaned the reverend mr sawkins 
holding up his hands in horror at the supposed baseness of the imputation against the most savoury vessel of the whole society oh reverberated in a long echoing groan throughout the room for as the reader may suppose this strange scene had excited a powerful sensation amongst all present ah it's all very well exclaimed the frenchman indignant at the awful groaning with which his words were received but let this fellow shipshang look me in the face and call in a constable roared pugwash the chairman give the frenchman fair play cried several voices that is all me do ask of the british public said the frenchman but while he turned to address those words to the audience mr sheepshanks disappeared with remarkable abruptness by the private door at the back of the platform where's our reverend brother demanded mr pugwash looking anxiously around i'm afraid he must be taken ill returned mr sawkins i will go and see and this reverend gentleman followed the pious missionary the frenchman then proceeded to acquaint the audience that he kept an hotel at cherbourg where mr sheepshanks arrived at the beginning of the year eighteen twenty three that the reverend gentleman continued to reside with him for upward of ten months spending money as profusely as if he possessed the purse of fortunatus that at the expiration of that period mr sheepshanks departed but returned at the end of a month accompanied by a lady whom he represented to be his wife and who presented him with a pledge of her affection some eleven months afterwards that mr sheepshanks and the lady with the child continued to honour the hotel with their presence until the middle of the year eighteen twenty six when they suddenly evaporated leaving behind them a heavy bill unpaid and a portmanteau full of stones and straw that business had brought the frenchman to london and curiosity had induced him to enter that assembly upon reading the placard wherein the euphonious name of sheepshanks prominently figured at the door this narrative produced as may be supposed an extraordinary sensation amongst the saints gathered together on this occasion and no wonder was it then all a fabrication relative to mr sheepshanks visit to the south sea islands had he never proceeded farther than cherbourg were the funds of the society lavished in riotous living and on a mistress was it the better to carry out the deception that he had pretended to sail in a french ship instead of an english one was he in a word an unmitigated impostor and were all the members of the society his dupes these opinions seemed to be confirmed when the rev mr sawkins came back with the astounding intelligence that mr sheepshanks was nowhere to be found in any part of the society's offices mrs slingsby was overwhelmed with grief and her two fair companions with astonishment and as they rode home in a hackney coach the pious widow never ceased from dilating on the tremendous injury which the good cause would receive from the exposure of the flagrant turpitude of mr sheepshanks end of section thirty five read by celine major